my name is Thomas Davis. I am the minister of the Free Church of Scotland Congregation in Carloway in the Isle of Lewis. We are in the Outer Hebrides in the northwest of Scotland. Hi, my name is Andy Longway. I'm the minister of London City Presbyterian Church in the heart of our nation's capital. And welcome to the Jesus Today podcast. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much uh, for joining us, for listening. Uh, we've been so excited to start this journey together. And one of the things that that we love about this is that uh, every time we, we meet, we chat about issues that, that seem to provoke a response. Last time, we uh, addressed the all-important question as to which is the best high street coffee that you can get. And, um, you know, that was part of our segment that we do each time. He's right, I'm wrong. Uh, Andy had spoken in favour of Costa Coffee, myself and Joe, who was with us last time, we'd said, well, actually, no, we don't like Costa, I prefer Nero. Um, you know, we're thinking, well, who's right, who's wrong? Turns out we were all wrong, because according to our listeners, the best coffee that you can get in the high street is Pret. Andy, what do you think? Well... Um, I've got a confession to make. I've actually got a Pret subscription. You <laughs> saw. Um, I thought it would be a good idea when I moved to London because there's a Pret literally everywhere, and I would meet people. Um, but yeah, it's very revealing. People love Pret. That is interesting, wrong, definitely. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads us nicely into the topic that we're going to talk about today, because Andy and I, as our listeners will know, live in very different settings. Andy lives right bang in the middle of London. I live way, way, way up in the northwest of Scotland on an island in a tiny village uh, on the coast of the Atlantic Ocean. And so we, uh, although we're both ministers, we're both in the same church, we're both doing the same work, we do it in very, very different settings. And we're going to be talking uh, today about the differences between urban and rural ministry, uh, the challenges and opportunities that we have um, ministering for Jesus uh, in London and in Lewis. And Pret is a great example. Like, wait, Andy, what's your nearest Pret? Like 10 feet from your door? <laughs> a five minute underground. London Bridge is my nearest one, yeah. Look at that. And then how many more are there in, in London? Every I was oh, in London last, last year. They're everywhere. Pret, what everywhere. My nearest Pret, I don't know, 150 miles away. So <laughs> it's going to be a long walk for me if for I want me. to go and get my Pret. So, <laughs> so that's one of the many differences uh, between between uh, London and Lewis. So before we start, though, on um, you know thinking through, we're gonna we're gonna play our favourite game, which is mm. he's right, I'm wrong, and this is a kind of special edition. It is the London versus Lewis uh, edition of he's right, I'm wrong. So we've got two or three different categories to think about. Andy, um, if you want to eat something nice, what's better, London or Lewis? Hands down, London. I just said I'm five minutes away from London Bridge. Right next to London Bridge is Borough Market, a market with every cuisine you can imagine. The tastiest, delicious food from all across the world, baked goods, um, steaks, pizzas, the best donuts in London. Um, <laughs> I, I just can't stop paella, uh, mushroom risotto, you name it, you can get it there. Um I love like Indian restaurants in London. The Shum has has become a favourite place. Okay, Steakhouses, yeah. Hawksmoor. Uh, London just has it all. The best foods. What do you think? Well, you, you, would, you would think argue, so. Really argue for well, Lewis? Okay, so so Andy, you you might win on quantity. Yes, there's lots and lots, but 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 quantity is always trumped by quality. Oh. And I I mean I only got to, I only have to say three words in terms of food. 
Stornoway black pudding. That is just on another level. And and I think I, th- I saw in the news, actually, that, that Charlie Barley's our local butcher. They were at number 10. See, London London wants what we've got. You're just desperate for it. So, you know, you're just trying to catch up with what we have. And <laughs> yes, you can you can walk down the road and, and go to all these restaurants. There's something amazing about living in a rural setting, though. Um, mm. uh, every so often, every month or two, uh, we get up in the morning and we open our front door and hanging on our on our door handle is a bag of prawns that have been caught by the fisherman who lives across the road and uh, he's incredibly kind to us and he, he puts these fresh prawns in a bag on our doorstep. Uh, you can't get that in London. No, you can't, but surely that's a hate crime. Putting the prawns <laughs> in your door? Come on. <laughs> this, that is... <laughs> no, don't buy it. Uh, Although I have a confession to make. We were just on holiday in the Highlands and uh, 10 days there and we visited Ullapool Okay, and yeah. we went to a little place called the Seafood Shack. Ah, nice. And it, it was quality. Yeah. Well, quality. I have so. to also confess, I came to stay with you last summer. We had an amazing holiday in London, and I was blown away by the food. The food was absolutely amazing. So, um, so listeners, what do you think? Place to eat, yeah. London versus Lewis. What about on a sunny day, Andy? What do you do on a sunny day in London? Great question. So, um, the last day off I had here in London. Uh, Theo and I went out, so we went down to uh, Greenwich first of all. We went to see the Cutty Sark. We jumped nice. in one of the Uber boats um, up the Thames. The river views just breathtaking. St Paul's Cathedral, the Shard, the largest building in Europe, tallest. Um, we then saw the Houses of Parliament. We came off, had an ice cream, and then we had a leisurely stroll home across the Bridge. Yeah. So. Yeah. Amazing, That's amazing. Well, that does sound good, but you know, you know, here in Carloway, on a sunny day, you, you don't you don't go down uh, and take a boat ride. Um, you don't walk over London Bridge. You go down to the pier and you jump off it into the <laughs> glistening, clear, crystal clear waters of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, and or you go down to the beach. You can swim, surf. Um, I was going to say sunbathe, but that's not necessarily going to be possible. But still, the water's beautiful when the sun does come out. It's turquoise. If you jumped into the Thames, Andy, you would kind of dissolve, you like a kind of like a like a like a paracetamol <laughs> dropping into a into a glass of water. <laughs> so, right, last one. What about for entertainment? What do you do in London for entertainment? Um, so this Saturday, I'm going to a Crystal Palace match. Oh, nice. I think my favourite thing in London, uh, apart from the museums and the, the general things, was going to see Hamilton at the theatre. That was, ah, wow, it's yeah. been one of my favourite things. Um, just incredible. And the opportunity to go to theatre and different shows. I'm also going to the proms uh, in early May, so I'm looking forward to that. Excellent. I have to say that all does sound amazing. Well, for entertainment here, uh, well, you know, you can walk about, you can you can go to the beach, you can uh, enjoy time together with friends. A couple of things that you can do here that 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 you might not do so much in London. Uh, you can sit around the fire and talk about the weather. Um, because <laughs> we talk about the weather a lot because it's usually terrible. And you can also talk about who's related to who because that's <laughs> something that we do a lot of as well. And it's so funny. Like, uh, this is, this is I think, the difference between being a child and being an adult in a Highland setting. I remember as a child listening to all these conversations of people talking about who was related to who and thinking to myself, why are they talking about this? This is the dullest conversation ever. And then at some point in my life, I don't know when the change happened, but all of a sudden I was like, this is the most interesting conversation. <laughs> I've become one of them. 
So, so that's uh, that's definitely something we do. Well, listeners, what do you think? London versus Lewis. Where do you want to go on holiday? Where do you want to uh, live? Um, where do you want to go to eat? Uh, where do you want to be on a sunny day? We'd love to hear from you. You can let us know what you think. Well, Thomas, why don't we kick off with our discussion then in urban versus rural? This is Jesus today. So we want to start with Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's you know, whenever we're thinking about that question, uh, any question, that is where we want to want to start. And that's one of the things that I actually find really amazing when you look at, at Jesus's life. You, you read what's recorded in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And it's actually an amazing mix of urban and rural. Uh, you see him being raised in a rural setting, uh, Nazareth, and you see him traveling around uh, rural areas. You know, I, I love the image of him sitting on the Sermon on the Mount. It's kind of a, a you know, wide open space. Um, people have come out from the towns to meet him. Um, but yet at the same time, other aspects of his ministry are very, very much focused mm. on on the city, uh, I guess, particularly Jerusalem, where he, he visits several times and that's where he has some of his key interactions with people um both with friends and with opponents and yeah there's just this um yeah when i look at jesus i see this amazing kind of mix of, of urban rural in his life likewise yeah it's funny isn't it that the 12 men he called to follow him, his disciples there was a mix of fishermen um mm. no doubt agrarian farmers but then there was the the, the um levi the tax collector yeah. there were people involved in all different walks of life it's interesting to note that in lots of his teaching and his parables he did use um illustrations just from life that feels very rural um yep. you know parable of the sower yeah it's the true. birds of the air just yeah very connected to nature um but he wept over the city of jerusalem he did he yeah. came to save the the lost um and people from the nations and you just see that beautiful combination. So I think one of the things that, that, that's maybe good for grounding this conversation in this sense is um, Jesus is passionate about both rural and mm. urban. Yeah. yeah. It's easy to, to create a huge dichotomy and pit these things against one another, but he's for the nations, he's for the world, he's for people, and people both dwell in rural contexts and urban contexts. So what about um, what's good then about rural lifestyle? Thomas, you're, you're an expert on this. <laughs> well, I think so. it's interesting, you know, it's so interesting what you just said there, Andy, that how, you know, Jesus, there is just this balance of urban and rural, because I think we as individuals, um, I think almost all of us probably have a preference for one or the mm. other. And I mean, I'm like, I'm definitely a rural guy. I, I, I love, 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 love rural life. Um, and I mean, I've lived in the city, so I have I have experienced both sides of it. Um, so I mean, I'm definitely qualified to say that you're wrong. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. But um, you know, I I do love rural life. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here in my study. I'm looking out. I can see, you know, I can see crofts. I can see houses. I can see uh, our church buildings. There's there's two congregations in our uh, community. I can see them both. I can see the sea uh, and there's even a wee bit of blue sky and there's just something about that open space that community um that that i love and i feel you know so so at at home here in a setting like this and it's a really you know especially in our context maybe on the island it's a it's a really safe place to live i mean mm -hmm. i probably shouldn't say this on a on a on a 
podcast that is getting listened to all over the world, but the place where I keep my car keys is in the ignition. I just don't <laughs> ever take them out. You know, they're just they're just there because it's safe. Um, in fact, I remember, I'll tell you this funny story, which I, I love. Um, uh, I remember a friend of mine had hired a car for a relative who was up on the island. And the relative was, was dropping the car off at the ferry and my friend was going to pick it up. He went to pick it up and the car wasn't there. And he was like, oh, it's been stolen. Where is it? And he phoned a police officer uh, who, uh, uh, you know, to say that this car I was supposed to collect this morning, it's been it's been stolen. And the police officer said to him, uh, no, it's not stolen. He says, there's only there's only one guy in Lewis who steals cars and he's on the mainland just now. So it's definitely not been stolen. <laughs> Wow. And what, what had happened was the hire company had just gone and collected it. They were so used to collecting cars to the ferry. So, <laughs> so it's one of my favourite stories. But it's just true. You know, there is, there's a safety. That's not to say we yeah. don't have problems here and we'll talk about mm. them more in a wee while. But there's something really beautiful about, about what we have here. But but that's really different from the city. Whoa, my, yeah. you've got like five million neighbours. I don't think I'd like that. Nine that million. How nine many? Mil- nine, nine million. million. Oh my yeah. goodness. That's and I think, you know, just to, to agree with you that I think one of the things that rural lifestyle does you 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 get to live in the theater of god's glory mm. you get to behold mm. creation um and this breathtaking spectacular scenery the sounds um and yeah the safety the simpler way of life in some ways and and free from pollution and maybe less uh, for sure less crime um what's good about the city well just speaking of in london history and architecture everywhere you know, this city's got thousands of years of history. Um, it's got so many iconic landmarks f- from Tower Bridge, Tower of London, St Paul's Cathedral, Houses of Parliament. Yeah, you just feel that you're in a city, and then it's also the the, the, the new history, the recent history of all the, uh, and it's you can see it in the architecture, like the Shard, the, the, the tallest building in Europe. Um, the culture, the diversity, the peoples. Yeah. Um, I th- you know, one of the things I've really, really come to love about living in London, I've only been here over a year, and I think some people would say one of the biggest strengths of living, say, in a rural community is the sense of um, deep, close connection, and and, and that's for absolutely true in, in a city, as one might argue, yep. that you don't get that. But when you move to London, everyone's just accepted immediately as a Londoner, Mm. Um, you're just embraced and it's because everyone it feels like everyone here is from another part of the world Um, and so there's just this melting pot of cultures of peoples there's strange languages everywhere you go there's um, you know exotic foods there's uh, you see it in dress and I think that cultural experience is just one of the most amazing things being in a city where there's just so much uh, diversity it's an exciting place there's just always a buzz about it the infrastructure is incredible like literally walk to the bottom of my street I can pick up a, a Boris bike or a, a scooter yeah, now yeah, yeah. I can go on an underground and overground I can take a boat I can jump in yeah. the, uh, the train and get to the city airport which is you know 15 minutes away you, the, the infrastructure in London is incredible um, and then you know uh, despite what many people might think there are lots of green spaces we live really close to Southwark Park there are so many beautiful parts of London Hyde Park so there are green spaces where you can you can enjoy um yeah space just in, in the outdoors and and so I think yeah a city like London just boasts so much and we've touched on other yeah. things foods and entertainment 
So interesting what you're saying there, because, you know, saying like everybody's accepted as a Londoner very quickly. Mm. I would say, you know, like in a rural setting, especially on an island, like it maybe takes time for people to be accepted as islanders. You know, if I can say that kind of carefully, I think that that is uh, that is a situation and a reality. And so interesting, you talk about infrastructure, our, our, our ferry infrastructure is <laughs> kind of not really functioning that well. So um, that's a really interesting question, you know, because uh, sometimes we can look at cities and think, you know, man, these guys have got everything, you know, and 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 uh, often, you know, it's, it's not so much, uh, it can feel a wee bit like, you know, uh, yeah, things around here are, are crumbling. So yeah, just really interesting, the challenges and opportunities. What about for, for church? What about for following Jesus? Um, yeah, let's chat about some of the challenges and opportunities that, that we get in uh, urban settings and rural settings. Tell me about the city, Andy. What's it like following Jesus in the yeah, city? What's good, good what's bad? Yeah. yeah. So what's good? So our church is right in the heart. We meet in the heart of the city of London on Aldersgate Street. So if people know the story of John Wesley, mm. his heart was strangely warmed. He became a Christian. And so we, we meet on that street, just down the road from St. Paul's. Um, we're a church of about 100 people uh, on, a, on a Sunday morning. And what's incredible is quite literally there are people from all across the world. Yeah. And every Sunday we're welcoming visitors uh, all the time. Um, and so what's incredible is is like the Great Commission, Jesus says, go out to the na- go out, you know, to the nations. The nations come to us mm. and we have this glorious privilege of um preaching the good news of Jesus and making disciples of people from all all different backgrounds. And so a Sunday service feels like a taste of heaven, uh, where people are from all all um different backgrounds. Another just really exciting part of that is that cities draw many people who are who are often young, you know, for studies, for work. Mm. So the demographic of our church is, you know, we're quite a young church in many ways. Um, the, the, for sure, the, the, the main body of people are in their 20s, 30s, and they're here for work and studies. And so that's just an incredible thing to see, having ministered in Scotland and more often than not, some of our churches have a, an aging population. We, we've got definitely a cross-generational church, but yeah. at the heart of it is, is, is a youthfulness. And so I think that that's an exciting place to be following Jesus in, um, and it provides an incredible opportunity. And then one of the biggest surprises for me coming to London was I probably thought it was like, like leading the world, progressive city. That's actually not been my experience. I think London's actually quite a conservative city in some regards. Okay, yeah. Um, and I remember reading an article in The Guardian, and uh, and there was a recent study done as well that uh, pointed this out, that London's the most religious place in the United Kingdom, uh, and arguably the most Christian place, and that's because of immigration. Okay, and so yeah. one of the really strange experiences I've had in London is sometimes I bump into someone and in a conversation presume uh, sometimes make the assumption that they probably won't go to church and then you bring it up and they're like oh yeah, yeah no no I go to church I'm a Christian and I've had that so many times I've been shocked like yeah. wow it's quite easy to bump into a Christian in London and what's beautiful about that as well is is that there are so many good things going on in the Christian scene here there are churches been planted there are Christian networks where you can just uh, join get part of conferences so I think London's a really exciting place uh because of the opportunities it presents for Christians. There are so many from different backgrounds who are all seeking to learn and grow of how we could live better as disciples oh, in this amazing. city. Um, yeah. so, yeah. that's, that's so interesting, you know, and, and yeah, and, and actually surprising, you know, if you'd said, you know, where's the most Christian place in, in Britain, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have not have instinctively picked London. But, you know, you did say, Andy, like, you know, there's, there's so much, 
you know, so many people come, so much um, opportunities to do stuff. And, you know, and, and rightly you say that that's a good thing. But at the same time, like, surely there's like loads of temptations, pressures. Um, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes yeah. I think, you know, you know, if I if I imagine my kids were moving to London, I'd be like, oh, man, there's loads. You know, yeah. so is that what's that like? No, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're, you're absolutely right to, to highlight that. Um, so, yeah. So with all that been said about the the opportunities and the exciting place and it is to be um, because of the fast paced nature of life in London and a city. Um, people work long hours. People mm. also, you know, there's so many opportunities to be entertained, to enjoy good food. Um, so it can be really hard um, to to invest deeply and meaningfully in Christian community. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes in, you're not able to give your best hours, as it were, during the week to 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 Christian opportunities for for someone who's in the congregation because they're just so busy. Um, yeah. Uh, but a, a lot of one of the things that does encourage me is that even in the church context, I see, I see there's there's this huge appetite for people wanting to grow and wanting to learn. But it is in the context where life is is so incredibly busy. Um, everywhere's got its temptation and and its lure mm. and pull. I think that in a place like London, um, if you can't invest meaningfully in community, you know you you can live. Um, when you're detached from community, you don't have that mentorship, that accountability. There's a lot of anonymity in London. Mm. And so it's easy to, to to lead a double life or even to be sucked away potentially um, yeah. from the Lord. And so that is a, a challenge and um, an ever-present challenge for, for those who follow Jesus in the city. Um, I think is that something you see? Sorry to like jump in, but like see that like that kind of double life kind of temptation. I suppose it can happen anywhere, but it's, yeah, that I just, yeah, that's, that to me seems like, you know, probably instinctively, that seems to me like a, a kind of massive challenge that, you know, you could yeah, be in church on Sunday, maybe even be your Bible study midweek. But the rest of your time, it's like, a dub, you know, there's, there's just a whole world that you're sucked into. I don't know. Is, is it, That's how yeah. I kind of imagine it would be for disciples in London. Yeah, no, no, um, it is. And yeah, I have come across it. Probably not. Um, Honestly, in, in the congregation I'm ministering in, the biggest encouragement is there's so many young Christians who have got an appetite for the Lord and want mm. to grow. And part of that is they are open and honest about struggles. So, like, I remember having a conversation just the other day um, on Saturday with, with a guy and we we're chatting about his, his work culture. And he said, you know, one of the challenges is every lunchtime they, they go out for drinks. Yeah. And it's easy just to just to be constantly going out for drinks. It's just a culture in the work. Mm. And then... Um, uh, and, and food and enjoying it and enjoying time getting to know his col colleagues but it it can be hard as a disciple of Jesus just because that's the, the culture you're in I think there's there's other temptations you know um, relationships there's, there's a number of young Christians I know that they, they come here and then they, they meet someone in their workplace who's not a Christian and mm, yeah. that, that can often be a huge challenge um, for following Jesus here so yeah it, it is absolutely something I see and it's something that I think we're aware of even as church leaders and in our local church and we want to provide mentors accountability and opportunities yeah. um so yeah to answer your question it's something we've seen and something that i think has got to shape our vision for ministry of how we yeah, shepherd yeah. and disciple our but members. it's actually really encouraging that, that that people recognize that people talk about that i think that 
yeah, that's actually just so crucial to actually helping people through that because we can't pretend that those challenges aren't there, but actually yeah. they're there and talking about them is so crucial. To flip it back on you, Thomas, um, what are the challenges in a rural area? So, you know, there's, you know, in some ways growing up, you had that experience where everybody knows who's related to who. It's very yeah. intimate. It's, you know, a tight knit community. Life can feel like a goldfish bowl. So can you live a double life in Lewis in a rural area? Well, to, um, yeah. What are it's, the challenges of, yeah, being a Yeah, well, place? it's funny you should say that because, you know, you know, actually, like, like, I think that the, the double life danger is, is is absolutely here as well, but it works in different ways slightly. So I would say, you know, like there's actually so much that's similar about urban rural. You know, there's mm. same challenges, same same media influences, all that's the same. But I would say one of the biggest differences is the is the question of anonymity. Like mm. you can go into the city and you just blend in and you can be very, very anonymous. And the different parts of your life can be kept quite separate. So you can be at work, church, football, whatever. And in a city, it's just so busy, you can blend in. It's not like that here at all. And, you know, you really can, you know, people do know each other and they know, uh, they know people's business in many ways, you know, and that's a really good thing in lots of ways. That's something lovely about being in a community, but it, it but it also actually presents huge challenges for, uh, for discipleship. And I just sort of say a couple of them that, that come to mind. You know, one comes back to kind of what we said about the kind of double life thing, that because everyone knows everyone, there's a huge pressure to actually just put on a really good front to the world around us, to just sort of make it look as though everything's fine, I'm fine, and, you know, there's nothing to see here, um, and, you know, we're just, you know, I'm going to church, I'm getting on with my life, and and it's, it's like, I... I hope that this doesn't sound offensive to the people I live around, um, but I, I think it's the case that we we like talking about other people. We absolutely hate it if we're the one being talked about. Mm. And and so that, that kind of creates this pressure that because everything's everyone's business, you, you just put on this front, you know, so so in terms of discipleship, it is almost like a double life where you're like, you know, well, yeah, I'm, I'm at church, I'm, I'm attending, I'm present, everything's fine. And... And there's this reluctance to sort of admit to struggles or to show weaknesses and to say, actually, I'm finding this hard. And I think that 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 is a huge challenge in terms of, of following Jesus, that we kind of just want to put on this this front. And um, it's almost like we're not allowed to make mistakes, which which really isn't a good thing in, in a church, because actually, you know, you look at how Jesus was constantly mentoring disciples and followers who made mistakes. And, you know, that's that's been the pattern of discipleship. Uh, in the in the whole history of the Christian Church, so that's an issue definitely. The other thing that comes from that, in terms of like um, the whole fact that everybody knows people and knows everything, is that if the church makes a mistake in a rural setting, everyone sees it. Mm. Um, or if there's a fallout, or if there's an issue, it's 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 seen by everyone, and the the impact of that in the long term is huge. I I remember. Two or three months ago, I was out for a walk. I met a lady who uh, lives up the road from me, who I know well, um, really lovely, really lovely lady. And, um, you know, we often meet on walks, chatting away. And I asked her if she wanted to come to church. And uh, she said, well, actually, no. And and then she started talking about things that had happened about 30 years ago and oh. how she'd seen people behave in a way that she just kind of thought well if that if that's what 
being a Christian is like, then it's not for me. So mistakes are really public here mm. and 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 it can take a long, long time to um for for the for the impact of those uh to fade. So yeah, that's that's uh that's definitely a a, a, a an issue that we face uh um rurally here. The other thing I would say that we'd face here that that is it's kind of like it's a mixture of what's it's it's a good point and a not so good point. You know, one of the things that's lovely about a rural setting is that there's you know for for most people there's a really close knit community. You you there's people you know and very often there's family nearby. You know so you've got people who you know you've got parents and their their children will live either side of them uh, or cousins or relatives. You know people are 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 really closely connected. What I tend to see quite often is that 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 because those family ties are so strong. Um, people um people don't need church mm-hmm. in quite the same way that they might in somewhere like london you know so if if something goes wrong instead of going to your church family you go to 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 your family mm-hmm. roundabout which i i get that's i'm not saying that's a bad thing but but it means that kind of church isn't the place where you would go to uh to get help which comes back to what i was saying about how you know there's a there's a risk in our settings that you know, you, you 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 go to church as long as you're doing well, but mm. actually, if you if you're not doing well, uh, you stay away. Uh, a really kind of strange example of that is with the Lord's Supper. So we still just have the Lord's Supper four times a year, and we wish it was more, but that's just part of the kind of culture and tradition we have. Um, it it is the case, has been the case, that if somebody is not doing well or feels like they're not doing well as a Christian, they'd be like, "Well, I can't go. I can't. I can't mm. go and take the Lord's table." Uh, I can't take the Lord's Supper. And you're like, that's that's exactly where you should go. (laughs) Exactly where you should go. But uh, yeah, that's the kind of challenges. What other things are challenging uh, for discipleship in in, in London, in the city? Yeah, just before I was, you know, one of the things, um, one of the beauties of being a Londoner is just how welcoming it is to outsiders. And and you touched on this earlier, but in a rural context, do you find that there's a challenge... Um, with welcoming out- outsiders, I remember speaking to to one of our colleagues just recently, and he speaks about the 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 incomers and the the new settlers of from from different mm-hmm. places. Is is that a challenge in, in your context? So, actually? yeah, I mean, I think I think I think we kind of have to hold our hands up and say, actually, it is, you know, um, and for 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 various reasons, um, I, I, you know, I, at one level, you know. I think it's it's really important not to kind of exaggerate the issue. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. people who've moved to this community and they've 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 just integrated so incredibly well quickly. They're just very much part of 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 village life, and um, so you know it's it is a very welcoming community. And, and I'm definitely not saying that it's not that, but I do think though that at the same time, there there can be uh, it it can it can be an issue, and I think especially with especially in relation to church, you know, sometimes I think, you know, at church, we are, you know, we're very good at at kind of welcoming the person who has grown up going to our church and who mm. knows what it's like. I sometimes think, you know, are we as prepared for the person who's never been to church before? And that was something that, that was, was really interesting to see when I was minister in Edinburgh at St. Columbus for three years. They were so good and so ready to just welcome the person who had never been in church before. That was who they were expecting. That was who they were ready for. And we're definitely having to work hard to to uh, to 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 be prepared for that. 
because the reality is tattoos on our doorstep. And I think that's something that, you know, that we really need to recognize that actually the mission field on your doorstep is exactly the same as the mission field on my doorstep. People who actually know very little about Jesus and, you know, we need to be ready to welcome and integrate them. And I think, yeah, that's definitely something we need to work on, I think. Mm. That's great. Yeah. So going back to your question of the challenges still in, in London, um, I think one of the, the challenges is for a disciple, uh, you know, the, the Great Commission is, is that we teach all that Christ has commanded. And so opportunities to, to grow in the ways of Christ, those rhythms, those uh, liturgies, the, the, the ordinary means of grace, a Sunday, uh, coming to, to, mm. to a worship service and then plugging in to see a house group and, and prayer meeting. I think the the challenge many disciples have of Jesus in London is prioritizing them. That just the just the the busyness of life, the yeah, the um, everything's so overwhelming when you you live in a city. Um, you're you're trying to make, you're trying to get to know people. You're trying to um, get on and work. Um, and and so so it's really easy for you to neglect um, the spiritual priorities. Yeah. And I think. Th- the challenge for us as a church is how, how do we um, provide opportunities and then encourage people into these opportunities because it's just they're, we're competing against their busy lifestyles and how yeah. like and so I I think that's the challenge for us as a church but it's the challenge to challenge Christians to say you really got to make this a priority because yeah. your spiritual growth and flourishing um, you need the ordinary means of grace. And sometimes, you know, with envy, I can look on at a rural area and say, it's a much simpler way of life. Um, people appreciate the ordinary, the simple, whereas sometimes, you know, you're, you're competing against people having opportunities to, to get the best entertainment, to do the best things and say, yeah. no, come yeah, to an ordinary yeah. meeting of church. Um, I, I think it takes, it takes time to form meaningful relationships where you're going to be accountable or you're going to have a mentor. And London is a revolving door. So you yeah. just feel like you're getting to know someone and then they're leaving, they're moving on. So one of the huge challenges is, um, I, I was speaking to a minister and he said he, he struggles with the emotional fatigue of being a pastor because you're getting to know people and then you get yeah. tired of having to go through this whole process of getting mm. to know, getting to know. And I think that applies to even our members. that, that, that they, They're getting to know people for a little while and then they move on and then you have to start again and you're just this constant revolving door. So I think that makes it hard to develop really... Um, meaningful re- friendships where there's yeah. trust and there's you, you can be that open and honest uh, that is so interesting and because we we have the same problem but for the opposite reason so mm. i would say that we like we really struggle to, to to build those relationships um you know where there is accountability where you know i think of like you know what it what it speaks of in 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 james you know where we would meet confessors into one another pray for one another you know which is is you say it's a basic in discipleship from the New Testament, and yet, you know, we don't we don't do that. And actually, like mm. we we don't just don't do that. It's like we really don't want to do that, you know. And and I think that those meaningful relationships of accountability and and mentorship, we don't have them here, not because it's such a transit a transient community, but actually because it's been such a long-standing community. It's yeah. like you know, yeah. I, I've known you for forty years. <laughs> we're not going to start talking about these kind of things together, you know, and it's it's just so interesting, but isn't that interesting how, like, it's actually the same problems and it shows how important it is to have those relationships yeah. with, um, with, with friends who will help you. Yeah. 
There is one thing though. Just thinking what you just said there, that the you know the long-standing the the long-standing relationships you you might not invest in them. One of the things I envy when I seen it, I was when I was on holiday there in a rural community is, see if someone dies in the community, yeah. how everybody, even if they don't know them, have a real interest in sharing that experience. In London, one of the things that's strange, right? In my ministry, is I amazing opportunities of weddings and so on and so forth. I feel like I pick up the evening, the evening news, and you read about stabbings, deaths. But in one sense, so detached from it, things happen yeah, yeah. literally in our community. Someone passes away, and I don't know if there's that community rallying around our care, which I don't know. In your experience as a minister, but I see that there's something beautiful in the way that a rural community respond to tragedy. Yeah. Um, it's funny you should say that, Andy. You know, I actually, I actually took a funeral just two days ago, of of somebody who who from our village who passed away, and it was in it was in really sad circumstances. He was just in his early fifties, and he he had um, he hadn't been been able to overcome uh, uh, an alcohol an alcoholism that had plagued him for years, and and it was just a really sad and tragic death. We we nearly ran out of chairs at the funeral. Wow! So the church was jammed, and you know, and that that that's somebody who had made a lot of mistakes in their lives, and yet actually the whole village came out because they they, they just wanted to to gather around his family and show support, um, even though that was somebody who who's who'd made you know a lot of choices in 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 life that that everybody wished that that they hadn't made. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a it's that's that's an area where, um, uh, well, without being offensive, that's that's an area where Lewis beats London and it beats everywhere yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's a you know there's no, a, a real community connection uh, there. So you know I think it's it's always really important. We always want to try and get you know for for everyone listening, whether you're in a rural setting, an urban setting, we want to think you know what's you know what what advice do we need as we. Uh, as we want to follow Jesus uh, today, how can we help and support one another in that? So, um, yeah, you can go first, Andy. You know, in a, in a rural setting, what what advice would you give to somebody? Maybe if that was somebody, you know, moving to an urban setting or somebody who's who's currently living there, what would you give? What advice would you give to someone following Jesus today in a big city like London? Yeah. So, if there's someone moving from a rural setting to an urban, my first thing is is find a church community. Mm. That's a priority. Make that one of your your yeah. Make that your priority, and commit to it. Um, invest in it, um, because in London it's easy um, yeah. to neglect your spiritual and and life is just so fast paced and you can be just sucked up with so many other things, taken up with so many other things that um, will will present a real challenge. I think as well as you come knowing that a city can be a place of temptation and compromise. Mm-hmm. Is that you need to come with a really prayerful um, mindset and attitude, and 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 think through, you know, your your Christian convictions and um, principles, um, creating healthy boundaries. And one of the amazing things is God has made us to enjoy the things of this world: good food, good luck, yeah. drink, uh, entertainment. But these things can become all-consuming and and uh, often have um, the the danger of compromise attached to them as well. Um, I think that if you're coming from another area, it's just pr- come with that open mindset, prepare to to to, to fight, have your world view expanded. You know, yeah. one of the things 
I feel London is just a cross-cultural experience. You're Sunday there, I was chatting to someone from Russia, I was chatting to someone from America, um, people from Ecuador, yeah. and just always chatting to people from different countries, different worldviews, but but it's it's always um, expanding your worldview. I think it's a really, really helpful thing. Um, yeah, make the most of the opportunities that a city provide. Enjoy them. But I, I think the priority is invest yeah. in a church community. Yes. To be loved. Yeah. Um, yeah. What would you say, say the reverse, someone moving from an urban to rural context because i think many th there is this huge pool right now right after covid mm. get out the city yeah get a house in the, the yes yeah. you know the romantic countryside and yeah this is the vision of the good life now yes yeah, the simpler way of life what would you say to someone yeah uh, so so interesting you say that because yeah. that 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 actually really ties in with with with, with, with something that i'll that i'll just touch in a minute that i think is really important i think the first thing i would say is if you come into to a rural setting you know i i I really want, and, and actually we really need people to come to rural settings um, with the gospel as their priority, you know, that, that, that they actually think, I want to come and serve in a local church. And, you know, even, even in, our, in our congregation, we've got a congregation of about 60 people on a, on a good Sunday morning. You know, if, if, you know, if two people came, two, two people came to our congregation, you know, to say, we want to serve Jesus in this community. Like that, that's just massive. That's such a massive boost and encouragement to us. You know, so we, we need that. And and that's not just for Carloway, that's for any any congregation in the Highlands and Islands. You know, traditionally, you know, I would say fifty years ago, a lot of the city congregations in the Free Church, you know, were kind of helped and boosted by islanders coming mm -hmm. to Glasgow, Edinburgh and serving there. The opposite has to happen now. People who have been raised and discipled in our city centre churches need to be ready to think, you know, I, I need to go and serve serve in a, in a rural community. So we need that mindset. Um, and so if, if, if you are to come, come with that mindset. Two things I would say, um, when you come to a rural setting, to remember that you've got something to learn, you know, mm. because you will come and, you know, things might be different, you know, and, and you know, and I think it's, it's, well, not might be different. They'll definitely be different. But to recognise that you know, there's 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 stuff to learn in that you know, and and there might be things that you're like, man, why are we doing that? But it's actually, well, okay, there's good reasons for that, you know, or, or that's why it's happening. There's a lot to learn. But but the kind of the other side of that coin to emphasise is is you know um, that you've also got something to offer, you know, and and actually the the perspective that somebody from London you know would bring to our our church would be so helpful you know we've got so much to learn so so people who come they've got something to offer to say actually you know this is a really positive thing or this is what i've learned from 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 london this is what i've seen from christians from russia from ecuador or whatever you've got something to offer so just that balance i've got something to learn something to offer is, is really important but the last thing i would say about someone coming to a rural setting and it ties in what, what you were just saying you know about kind of post-covid moving to the rural life um this is the most important thing i would say make sure that Jesus is your dream. Mm. And the reason I'm saying that is because it's so easy to come to a rural setting thinking, I'm going to get the dream house. I'm going to get the dream pace of life. I'm going to get the dream view. I'm going to get the dream, uh, you know, lifestyle opportunities that I've always wanted. They are the wrong dreams to have. And yeah, you can come here and have a nice house. You know, I've often said, you know, you know, you could... 
somebody living in a flat in London, you could sell your flat in London, you could come and buy the biggest house in Lewis, and you would still have enough money left over to buy yourself a Ferrari. Um, so it's, it's, you know, you could really kind of, it's amazing the difference in, in, in things like that. But, you know, don't, don't come to a rural setting thinking, oh, if I just get that house, it's going to make me happy. Or if I just get that lifestyle, it's going to make me happy. Because it's not. Mm-hmm. Jesus has to be our dream. Jesus is the only one who actually fulfills that void. And, you know, if, if, if you're coming to a rural setting thinking, you know, I, that's my dream life and I'll maybe try and serve Jesus while I'm there. I think that's maybe the wrong way around. I think you actually like, I want to serve and follow Jesus. And if I live in an amazing rural setting while I do that, then thanks be to God, that's an amazing bonus. But make sure that your dream is not your house, not your lifestyle that your dream is just to know and love and follow Jesus. That's a golden piece of advice. And it applies to the city as well. You know, don't come to the city and try and make a name for yourself. Come and let's be part of the mission of making Jesus famous and seeing people loving and following him. I think that's, yeah, what what a golden word. Well, Thomas, that's been a really, I hope our listeners have been stimulated by this conversation but we'd love to hear their feedback you know this is one of those conversations we can continue and develop um, yeah. yeah what are your thoughts on being a follower of jesus in a city context or in a rural uh, context please do uh, get in touch with your advice or your thoughts on, on that thomas we're sponsored by christian focus um and we we love to make a plug for their books um you recently read uh, one of their, their, their news publications, a church history book. Why don't you tell our listeners about that? I did indeed. So uh, I have just got the latest uh, latest copy, latest volume of Nick Needham's 2000 Years of Christ's Power. So um, this is a, a, a f- now a five volume. I think it's hoping, I think he's hoping that it'll be six or seven volumes eventually, but it's a brilliant book on church history. I'm actually holding up the wrong volume here. It's volume four <laughs> I've got. I've just bought volume five, but um, uh, these, I mean, church history is just fascinating. It's incredible to to learn about uh, what God has done, you know, over the years in his church. And Nick Needham is like, if you want to start in church history, go to Nick Needham. He is he is the best introduction to church history that you can buy. So clear, so easy to read, and so stimulating. The book that's just come out uh, is all about the 18th century. So that's 1700s. And the fascinating thing about that is that, you know, if, if you want to summarize the, the 18th century in terms of uh, church history, you've basically got a world that's turning its back on Jesus, turning its back on the Bible. And you've got the kind of post-enlightenment mindset, which is like, well, if there is a God, he's kind of way up there. Um, but Bible can't really believe that, can't really believe in miracles. Jesus, yeah, good teacher, but didn't rise from the dead, wasn't born of a virgin or anything like that. And so the world is kind of rejecting Jesus, um, you know, uh, especially, the, well, the Western world uh, in many ways. But at the same time, you have some of the greatest revivals in the history mm. of the Christian church. And it's just amazing to read about that. You know, that, that in the, you know, while the kind of the intelligentsia of Western society is saying, well, we don't need Jesus anymore. Actually, thousands of people are being converted through, you know, the ministries of George Whitfield, John Wesley, who you mentioned earlier, and many, many others. And that's true in Britain, it's true in Europe, it's true uh, in the United States. So it's absolutely amazing to read about that and incredibly encouraging for us today because, you know, we think today, oh, well, our world is, uh, 
is is rejecting Jesus. Our society is turning away from the gospel more than ever. You know, actually, that's just very very 18th century. In the midst of that, God, you know, I just love it because it's like you know, you know, um, you've got the whole world saying, "Oh, we don't need God," and God's like, ah, "Hold on a minute, <laughs> I'm going to go and do the most amazing revivals that we've ever seen." So it's been thrilling to read about that, and I can highly recommend uh, Nick Needham's. 2000 years of christ's power do you recommend thomas that you know you can go out and buy that volume or would you go and buy volume one and work through each volume What's so the best way i would i mean i would buy the lot you know so if you if you want a present <laughs> buy them all but but you don't need to read it from volume one all the way through each each book stands on its own and in many ways i would just say actually buy the volume that that is maybe the era of history that you're interested in so if you're if you're interested in that period you know you've got the american wars of independence a lot in the book about kind of the emerging opposition to slavery and things like that so lots of really interesting topics to talk to to think through but if you're more interested in in reformation or earlier times buy one of the other volumes um maybe this sounds a bit sad but uh what I do with, with Nick Needham's books is that I keep it beside my bed and when I get into bed every night, I read about four or five pages for 10 minutes. And I've actually like, you know, I don't think I've ever done this. The, the books are quite long. They're about four or 500 pages. And like, I've read them all. Like usually if a book's over 200 pages, I'm not going to read it because it's too long for me. But I've actually got through all of these and it's just by doing a wee bit before I go to bed at night. So there's, a, there's, there's my top tip. <laughs> read a little bit of church history when you go to bed. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and we look forward to uh, coming back with another podcast. Um, we are uh, so grateful for our, your qu- sending in questions. Someone recently asked us to talk about anger and so I think our next podcast yep. will be answering your questions on uh, thinking about anger from a, a, a Christian worldview and uh, what Jesus has to, to say on that topic. You can get in touch with us. Uh, our email address is hello at jesustodaypodcast.com and you can tweet us at jesustodaypod uh, and find us elsewhere on social media. Um, we are so deeply appreciative for the feedback we've received and we want to keep on um, just hearing your questions and, and, and answering them in the days that lie ahead. So please do uh, send in any questions you have. Thanks so much for listening. It's been great to have you with us. Join us again soon. Bye.